You are listening to Thursday Nights, Season 4, Episode 123. Atop the black spire, the the terrible fight, well not so terrible because you won, from yesterday, already fading in to memory. I don't even know what that phrase means, fading into memory. Whatever. The fight was yesterday. It's the next morning. We have terrible Day memories. Fight. Deja has Deja made has made contact expressing her great displeasure that she uh, was summoned near a body of water. Ted has verified that indeed that was the only rule he forgot or neglected to mention that when selling you the peanut for a thousand gold. And I say that to remind Mock uh, because I like it when Mock... Uh, complaints about Doesn't gold. have his money. Um, <laughs> hey, get a jar of 50 peanuts. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my one Sold of my favorite moments in this entire season was when Mock sent uh, was it Baron to go I think it was oh, Baron to go negotiate with it was Baron uh, Scrimcorn to go book pass no, to go get paid to be guards and ended up getting negotiated <laughs> against and ended up having to pay to join the <laughs> That was a significant that was a significant beat early on. One of my favorite some, like role establishment. One of my Scrim favorite sequences that's ever happened in our games. Uh, just, just great. Uh, anyway, so uh, you are atop the Black Spire. Everyone is packing up. Uh, everyone has packed up their uh, their camps, their goods, uh, saying goodbye to the Black Spire. Probably toughest for Drewston. Uh, this is a particularly <laughs> so interesting ruins to uh, continue to explore. If he had but one day to give to this place, the things he could do, the things he could learn. Is he exhausted? He's coming back here one day. Absolutely. Uh, that's why he makes maps, right? Yeah, he knows exactly. where they are. So, uh, and yeah. And with that, Snowbane's gift is ready to lift off. If you remember, it's a, it's a, the better part of a day just to get to the shore. Um, you yeah. use, you use pretty much, I don't remember exactly what it was. We, we it was had the pretty much the day, pretty much the day of the balloon travel can get you from the, the black spire to the shore. Um, I remember, we could not have made it before, but I think they made some upgrades to the ship, and then now it could make the trip. Uh, yes, they did. That with Ethan. They did uh, make some upgrades, and uh, it, it, it made a couple things more efficient. I believe you are correct. Let's say that that is true. Yes. As also, it's very crowded. Very crowded on the ship right now. Very crowded. Yeah. It's a lot of people on the ship. Um, and a bullet. So, uh. Is anyone uh, holding off the group from setting off for the day's Baron's travel? Baron's ready to go. 
<laughs> I think uh, I think this is a bivouac situation. Bivouac. What's that, Pokemon? Exactly. Uh, yeah, bivouac, bivouac, bivouac. I feel like yeah, if I joined in making it, then we would all do it, and we'd be here for a while. Uh, Pop one off, man. You're good. <laughs> yeah, how long has it been since you see the bivouac? This <laughs> bivouac. <laughs> <laughs> I could not. It's too fun. Um, the, the Snowbane's gift lifts off with its magical balloons, right, uh, lifting the oversized, uh, the oversized carriage uh, off of the roof of the Black Spire, and it shrinks behind you as the balloon rises up and up and up and up and starts heading towards the northern shore. And you got a day's travel ahead of you," he said, inviting time sort of conversation. Conversation, if that was what the group time. wanted to do. Talk, Otherwise, talk, talk, you're going to arrive talk. there. Should we, uh, should we put to? Oh, <laughs> like my titans up. Should we put forward any titans of uh, of people who are wanting to talk? I know Drusen has some things. Oh my god, put them next to each other when they're talking, and it'll be like a yeah. zoom in. If you want to oh, wait yeah. to strategize the next steps until the hands of Ao depart, which they are planning on doing as soon as you land, before uh, still a day before yeah. you're planning on meeting up with Deja, that's an option too, if it's more of a, a, a facet. Drusen calls the dwarves together. Including Blum? Including no. honorary dwarf Bearjaw? Uh, he calls you say dwarves? the Dwarven cousins together. Fair. <laughs> oh. The descendants uh, of Amberhelm. Bertha's a dwarven cousin by now. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm in. Uh, and he doesn't care if Scream Corn and Oil Bane see this and join in. Just, <laughs> he's I'll uh, just listen and not understand. And uh, he. Where is Ma? Right there in the middle. Right in front of you. Oh, God. I thought it was red for some reason. I had a big green part there. Where's Baron? Well, Baron we've got the small here. minis over here as you asked Baron. for. Uh, I see. You're doing the big minis. Uh, okay. right. We're doing a big mini chat. <laughs> I like it. He's that talking through his spyglass. <laughs> He's staring uh, at I'm over here. Cousins, we spent our first few months together running from Grandpappy Adric. Oh, no. As he sees Mock's face and entire body of armor turn red before him. Uh, he says, But now, I'll feel if we need to unite the dwarves against this curse. Uh, once we have learned what we need to learn from Deja, we need to go to Adric. Nay, to beg on our knees for his help, to offer him ours. Like it or not, still a respected dwarf in our community. And if there's any way for us to unite the holds to face this oncoming challenge, he may be the key. And he opens his notebook to where he has a Adric's name in the middle of this huge thought map with all these connected lines and everything. But he says, uh, when we first met, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I was a a rash young dwarf, ready to to flee to Grandpappy whenever I thought I had enough information. 
but no cousins. I shall ne'er do it without you. If you think it's a terrible idea that will put us in more danger than good, I'll hold my thoughts at bay. But what say you? Do you see the reasoning in it? I get a hint to what you're saying, and my first thought is I've had my fill of backroom dealings and things that make me sour to my stomach when dealing with the humans in Skyclave and Deep Amaskar. I just as soon not have to do that with my own kin. Adric's a villain and demands justice be dealt to him. And uh, that's my preference. How do you suggest you deal this justice? Well, I don't know, but I also know he's on the other side of the world from here. So mm. dealing with him is not going to be a thing we're going to do tomorrow. But if but if he were here, would you kill him? Is it, is it justice of that kind? Well, I mean, as far as we can tell, pretty confidently, he's responsible for the death of a whole clan full of dwarves. So... Aye, mm. death seems more than fair. Well, cousin, if he could help save old dwarves from the terrible fate of becoming Dwargar, I'm nay saying that will guarantee him a seat at Moradin's table. We I would have to be convinced that his help was necessary, not possibly useful. If it could, if the task could be done without him, I'd prefer to do it that way. Mm. <clears throat> Mark chimes in. Well, what role could he play? And and sort of changes might he have to go through to realize that? Yeah, uh, essentially chased out of town uh, with a number of very self-serving deals flung at our heels as we made our way east of Mithril Hall. I I don't forget easily the terms that were offered me for the intent behind them. Me thoughts, cousin, are that the, the more I have learned about Adric, the more I realize that he has spent his life rising through every means he could. He was a warrior, he was a merchant, he was a, a negotiator, a politician. And even when the chance came to get what he needed, through making a deal, the witches themselves, he took it. He is not a man who will want to see his life's work taken from him in a hundred years, even if he is not here to see it. He's Bringing him to justice will be difficult. He's also a man with connections. Through him, we have an ear to every dwarf in the seven homes. Through him, we have, uh, we have his backing of of wealth, power. We have nothing yet. And they say that we need to convince him. We have the okay. might to force the man. So that, I see, I see wisdom in what you say, Rusin. I see, oh, I see wisdom in what you say, cousin Bear, and logic in what you say, cousin Drustin. But it seems to me that both solutions may be more costly than negotiation. Uh, if we are to put our faith in Adric's hands, as 
Zimdan says, and forgetting all of his past wrongs and perhaps fools for hoping that he could make such a change. But it's true, too, that we put justice of, of, of Adric above all else. It could consume all of the resources necessary for combating our curse or getting Berja. We're opening up my goddamn store again. Perhaps if we are simply able to engage Adric's help, as would be very valuable, and do so from a position of strength, where we can negotiate fairly. Uh, and it's not simply a band of wayward outlaws. It's a question with allies of questionable ret- repute and notoriety. Buddy, half brothers, I know you're listening. Scrim you hear, you hear a hearty laugh from from uh, Bogrush up above. I, I'm, I'm picturing you guys are all down below in the forge of the. Uh, too small of a place to. I think anything is secret. Yeah. <laughs> I think, oh, yeah. uh, on the gift. Jason's not trying to. Yeah. Uh, he was having this conversation in Dwarven though. Uh, and 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 Mock ah, beckons Scrim as he laughs. Okay. Um, and but, but Mock beckons Scrim if he's gonna approach. Like, come on up. And he says, "Yeah, Scrim walks up." He says, uh, "Perhaps invoking the deeds of Adric to uh, to gain allies, and then using that to pressure Adric or from more from strength of position to." Turn his hand towards our cause. A uh, maybe our, our greatest chance at addressing the curse, and may in turn. I don't know have that some he... impact is overall judgment when the time comes. I mean, it's a curse put upon the dwarves by Ladiguer. As far as I can tell, he was duped into it. I don't know that he has any power except for. Strength of arms and coin and influence. Coin and strength of arms and influence might be exactly what we need. It won't make us not be Dwergar. And if he can't do that, I'd like his head gone. <laughs> right now, we are against Ladaguer and Amberhelm. Not currently. Amberhelm's on the other side of the Bland Continent. If we show go see Asia. If we show our faces somewhere he can strike, he will strike. We've seen that before. He hasn't forgotten about us. Oh, I. But, but <clears throat> this might be the first time we have something we could actually negotiate with, as he motions to mock. He says, we now seem to finally know something that Amberhelm might not. We've been playing catch-up this whole time, but now we see that Amberhelm may have made a deal with the witches. And the one thing I've seen when collecting debts is that no one was totally clear on what they had promised or the long implications of it. At this point, he might not even be aware that Ladaguer was behind, has a connection to the gems. I expect he isn't. Unless he's learned from a father. I sent him the message about what we'd figured out. Now we have a little bit more of a connection because we know that he made a deal with the witches and I am assuming that's something he hasn't told a soul. I we have proof. Not. We have proof. We should be able to show definitively that these gems contain a curse of Ladiguar. 
should be able to connect these gems. The House of Amberhelm itself. Uh, this 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 puts us in a position not simply to reveal truths to Amberhelm, but to incur allies against him for the cause of 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 I should say uh, renewal against this curse. And uh, assuredly, if this is if this is information that he doesn't have, might be brought to support the cause as as a way to mitigate his justice uh, and perhaps out of perhaps some lingering sense of obligation towards his kin, if there is any. I would not. The idea of dealing with him is like dealing with an adder. It's you're just waiting to get bitten. The man had a whole clan hall full of noble dwarves slaughtered by the means of orcs, our racial enemies. A dwarf who would do such a thing is not a dwarf I would trust to pass me the salt. I agree with you, cousin. I probably would, would not be so bold as to enter into negotiations with perhaps the greatest dwarf negotiator that I have heard of. We didn't have it on our side. He lets that hang pregnantly. Uh, can you repeat those last two sentences? I think we missed a key word. You, the, the first syllable of almost every sentence you're saying is cut off, and we can usually figure out what it is. Let me, I'll, I'll fix that. I'm going to my Discord. But he says, uh, to, to repeat, he says, if under normal circumstances I would never negotiate with a legendary negotiator like Adric but now we have fate on our side ah. that may tip the scales I open, there are many and, things I wondered over the years and years so I've obsessed over why I was exiled from Wontelgrim I thought uh, had Adric killed uh, our grandmother. Had Adric uh, was Adric a, a vampire? I, I thought many a thing. The mm. one thing I had never considered is the truth. That is a man who would make a deal with the witches. A man who would allow orcs to swat uh, to slaughter his kin. Adric is a coward. And if there's one thing I know, is that a coward will do what he needs to survive. And if we come to him and say, your life is ours, your legacy is ours, unless you do this for us, unless you help us unite the dwarves... I don't see it unless. I want his life and legacy gone regardless of what he does. Then let us do that at the end but use him as a valuable tool. We need every dwarf we can to fight off this curse. It cannot, it cannot just be us. And there's Aye. one man we know who has all the all the connections, and it's him. I'm not saying we should go there and butter him up with kind words or ask her forgiveness. I'm saying we go there and slam the hammer of all souls down on his desk and break his fingers and cut off his beard until he begs us for forgiveness and does what we need. Kim says, I'm I'm with Justin. 
I know we don't want to deal with Emberhelm, but he's the only dwarf with the resources who could do something about this, who has a reason to help us and believe us. If he has any of the virtues that I've heard you speak of in our earlier travels, then I he knows heard. his guilt. I haven't heard that he has resources we want. So what, just to be clear, Sam, what Drewson's referencing is early when we found out about this curse, mm -hmm. the conversations about how we were going to have to figure out how to unite the dwarves against this. This is what he's kind of referencing. Yes. Usually just yeah. evidence against Adric, and then we get the dwarves <laughs> and go take his head. His resource, no, no. his resource is the ability to unite the dwarves. None here can do that. The right evidence or the right tale or truth? I don't know. We can start with Mithril Hall. You have some influence there. Can we ask your god, perhaps? Sure. But Snowbane? I think all of this is maybe... York. Uh... <laughs> hey, you. She pats him on the shoulder a little they harder than usual. Deja and figuring out what she knows is probably a better first step and mm. maybe tracking down the pool of souls or something, I don't know but I'll agree with that cousin but just want to, to know that we are never removing Adric from the table as much as we may revile him we need to recognize that if we do need to unite the dwarves he may be our key. So it seems to me that with fate on our side, we must consider that now part of the strategy. For too long it has been simply this force that dro drove us from one side of the earth to the other and brought back estranged cousins that placed Nobane in our midst as we looked high and low to deliver the gift to her. This is now something that which must be part of the equation. And our greatest challenge I see more these days than what can we do is what should we do. If we need to, we'll topple a massive elemental evil constrained in a, in, in, in a dome. Why did we do it? Because we had to do it. Because we could? I and it we... was cool. How were we able to incur a passage across across the, the, the many kingdoms from the Sword Coast to Skyclave. The, the truth is stranger than any fiction I've heard. Why did we do it? Because we had to, not because we could. Here we lie with an even greater challenge in front of us. Undo some ungodly curse from Lalaguer himself that is going to kill all of dwarves, change us into something uglier within a year. The question is not what can we do about it, but what should we do about it? This is our course. Just choose it wisely and then have faith. The results will be there for us. It says, uh, it's, it seems that fate is is the, the heavy hand on the scales pressing down in our favor. And might we fail? Of course. I already had two deaths among three cousins. You can only imagine that I'm next. Until that day comes where we truly do fail, uh, let, let us let us set our course for victory 
let those other forces drive us across uh, the finish line. <laughs> what, say you? what say you of fate? Bejar raises her, her hammer up and says, You'll speak like a Goliath. I like that. Fate does seem to be in our favor lately. If I then is this plan of Drusen's not so far fetched? Is it the most reasonable? Or as Kim says, are there other ways to unite the dwarves? Are there other ways to combat this curse? Perhaps Deja has answers. There might be other ways. I'm just saying, I prefer not to become a Dwergar to prevent myself from becoming a Dwergar. I don't think Deja has our interest in, in her in her mind, though she may oh, have probably not practical information. Oh. And I, I I don't think we need to be hasty on this decision. I, I, I think we are better off relying on ourselves. But we know the plot, of course, here. There is one other missing piece, and Deja might be able to shed some light on that as Scrim looks over to his brother and then to his brother's oily arm. He says, We know where Amberhelm and the witches and Latiguer fit into this. But Deja seemed to think the world was ending. <clears throat> and there sure seems to be something even more sinister beyond a curse that would turn upstanding dwarves into their gray-skinned cousins. Whatever destroyed, not destroyed, whatever attacked, whatever descended upon Deep Amaskar in the past seems to be having an influence on these events. Right. And that's a bit that we could assume Amberhelm doesn't know because if it's as catastrophic as events of the past or Deja made it sound with an oil veins exchange with her, it sounds like there'd be no way that he would make a deal with that cost. So if, if the idea of him turning the sword coast of dwarves into Dwergar is not enough to make his soul revile at his own actions and turn to try to undo some of the damage he's done. Maybe whatever consequence Deja is aware of might be enough to convince him that getting smashed fingers and a cut-off beard <clears throat> and publicly shamed would be a better fate than letting this come to pass without even trying to do something about it. Well, then puts the spyglass down. Finally. <laughs> he looks to his brother dramatically, slowly. Dramatic. There's clearly like an indentation in his eye socket because he's been oh, holding God. it there for two long. But he looks at his brother and he says, Brother, do you really think this is connected? And he holds up his, his shadow blood arm. You really think this is connected to the whole Ladigua and the, this, this thing with the dwarves? You believe that? It's connected to this. And that vision it looked like the gem was dropped into the souls. pool of souls. Not pit of souls. <laughs> the pool of souls. Different location. Um, pit of souls is the dive bar that 
Exactly. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, is it is dropped in there? It's the bit. It's the bit of that flavor of magic seems to be on the periphery of everything we've been dealing with, but we don't quite know what's planned. I wonder if Ladiguer made some deal with something worse than the witches. Sounds terrible. Bad dad. Ladiguer is truly the baddest dad. (laughs) Dad (laughs) The baddest. Bad dad. Coltenberg, I know you have doubts about dealing with Adric, and I'll understand and I honor them. Let us table this for now. Find out what we can from the station. Mortal objections. I'll I'll understand. There is a way to answer that one, though. We we do not want to become Adric in our quest to solve this problem. Let us see what Deja says, and perhaps we can return to this topic. I would never go to Adric without your blessing, cousin. Fuck ads. Outcomes that you want, Baird. I maybe he said. Yeah, you can repeat that. Outcomes. Total judgments you ask for. Points best laid and prioritized is is our is our thought. We in a fight strike the killing blow at the outset, often to invite calamity. One must position oneself and set up one's defense, establish an attack, and strike when the moment is right. Adric's not before us. He's not in a position to slay or negotiate with. If we're saying that our plan is let's negotiate with him, I'm saying let's think of a different plan. Right. Mm. But what I'm saying is negotiation may in fact set us up better for the outcome that you seek than simply marshalling our forces and going after him straight on. Maybe? I don't know. All I know is Must it puts a foul taste in the mouth. Now? Aye, that's my thought. We have to travel across the continent and we have other things to resolve before then. Perhaps we wait until we speak to Deja, hmm? Scrim. See if uh, anything yeah. changes. I know where you stand. You know where I stand. Hey. I think we... They are more like-minded, and perhaps is, uh, is obvious about the outcomes here. The difference here is how to get that, and uh, patience and tactics help us. Maybe. So, I, feels like a natural end here. Yep. Uh, I, it's over my could go forever. Um, the balloon travels on while Mock, in the meantime, adjusts his Discord settings. Um, <laughs> I think you should lower the the sensitivity in the in the Discord voice settings, uh, Eric. We're losing, we're dropping a lot of uh, 
Um, a lot of slices of your senses. Increased sensitivity. Just uh, oh, the sli- move the slider lower, which does increase sensitivity. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I it's. Don't know if I have those. We, holes, but I will it was those. really hard to pick out some of the sentences you were saying. <laughs> Is that yeah. better? 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 Like a long string of yeah. things. Yeah, it sounds better, but it's hard to tell. He was like over multiple sentences. You would yeah, say something that's good, bad, ugly, and, and then bad. pause, and then you'd say another short line, and then pause. Yeah, and it's it pretty unique to the way that you do Mock's voice. <laughs> that's the problem. Gotcha. That is that is a problem. Is this any better? I'm that is already to... sounding better. It sounds really. It sounds better. much better. Oh, okay. All right. I I turned the sensitivity down literally to. Max one direction. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I have to say, Eric, yeah. uh, just out of character, fate may be the heavy hand on the scale is like peak mock. That was an amazing line. Glad you enjoyed <laughs> that. I, I really wanted to get that on the table. That was beautiful. Uh, I'm putting Drusen forward because there's a separate conversation I want to have, but I want to respect other people's time first. So I'd say move your your Titan forward if your character wants yeah. to have a conversation. Reset your Titans off of the... Uh... I don't currently have any conversations. Anyone have any itching conversations they want to do with Baron? I wasn't going to get a drink and use the bathroom. I have one okay, for after... Beautiful. Well, I, I'm going to do a little narration here, so... You... Yeah, I just have one for after the hands of Ao depart. You know, right. like we okay. said, right? The the gift continues its journey across the lake of mists. From up here, as you uh, as the shore begins to grow nearer after a few hours of discussion and drinks and relaxing and cleaning uh, cleaning one's gear uh, to various degrees, it is crowded on the ship. Like people keep moving from the top floor to the bottom floor, hoping there's like a little more room there like sit down like then going back up thinking no maybe it was better up there it's just like the 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 hands of ao are uh also like you're seeing a lot of antsiness there's this there's this adrenaline high after such a anticipated fight for so long that's like still you know you you're you're seeing that in uh in a lot of the people here as uh it continues to stretch on there are a few hours left in the journey still before uh, before you are done for the day here. So, and yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just uh, curious. Uh, <laughs> I was just curious, when are the Hands of Ao leaving officially? Like, did we talk about that? that? Yeah, yeah, I, we, we okay. I did, and it's when. Okay. Uh, it's the next morning. Yeah. Um, Drewson's pretty perceptive, and he... Yeah, saw what uh, Scrimcorn had done on the tower and all that. So he finds some time. It's impossible to be alone on the ship, but he walks over to Scrimcorn at some point, um, and maybe oil veins near him or something. And he just puts a hand on Scrimcorn's shoulder. Maybe Scrimcorn's like sitting so he can actually reach. Um, and he takes out the withered eel horn, and he says, "Ah." Oh, Grimcorn, my old friend, always remember the time you, you helped me find the tomb of the slime lords of Ygus Sloth. was the first time I met you, and the folks of the nearby village told me 
Then they go to the druid of the swamp. He will lead you to ruin. And you did lead me to ruins. Oh, there was so much slime. And he just kind of laughs. I'm like, yeah. Authentic laugh. He says, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll know this has been difficult time for you. Well, you were there for me when Aldric had sent his assassins. And now well, we've seen the same for you. I just want to know, how are you, buddy? <clears throat> are you okay? Says, <clears throat> what I wouldn't give to go back to those times. Perhaps miserable and ignorant, but, uh... Slime up to our wastes. <laughs> simple tasks ahead of us. Simple outcomes desired. Now this whole thing is turned upside down. Much to my... Much to... <clears throat> they form a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Scrim thinks of things faster than Dan does. Chagrin? Um, <clears throat> for the guy... For the, for the guy. For the, for the dude. Um, <clears throat> for the man who was happy... Maybe even smug that his business was not tangled up in all this Amber Helm, Pool of Souls, Ladaguerre, curse. Just handling what I needed to do, whether it was in the service of the witches or moving past them. Now I'm in as deep as any of you, even if I won't be turning into a gray dwarf in a year says now my previous masters may be behind the rise to glory and generations of wealth and power generated by your grandfather it's all dirty money and cursed riches I I don't know what the future holds. He says, <clears throat> but let me try to figure this. Baron's, let's, can we say Baron is not an earshot? I don't know if you, I don't know if you wanted to jump in, Sam. Uh, I only got the second half of the conversation. Okay. Can, can, when, uh, when you're perfect. doing the conversation, you can decide right. if he hears you or not. Right. Like you're All right. Okay, then, then to paint this picture while we're having this conversation, I want to say that Baron is in the bedroom of Amber Helm about to slit his throat. So we'll just make that count. Yeah. Yeah. It's the wand of, of raising the dead. Um, uh, so let's say uh, Baron is uh, maybe not in earshot. And, uh, and Scrim says, <clears throat> and your, your priest cousin, your cleric, Cousin, <clears throat> he says, he says, I think Amberhelm should be punished. He says, even, even not with the witches commanding me and learning a bit of their, of their foul lies, the truth behind their foul lies. He says, I still believe that the prideful should be brought low and those full of hubris should be punished. 
And Amberhelm made a bad deal. And his, and the devastation that will come about because of his foolishness is enough to cost him his life. I think there's a chance he can maybe undo some of that destruction. But in the end, I don't think he should live. Drusen shrugs. Says, I'll have accepted long ago that I am not in control of the fate of others. I have died. Miklitin brought me back. I'll listen to his wisdom. But in the meantime, I'm just glad you're still with us. I mean, I heard the fortune that the fisherman gave you far below. Oh no. But as much as we've counted on you, as much as you consider us friends, there had to be some temptation there. And I'm just unthankful, Scrimcorn, that you resisted it and you fought with us instead of against us. Scrim says, aye, and now the only debt that I have is a slice of my fate towards a fish man. <laughs> we'll have to keep an eye out for that. When he comes to collect it, I'll be by your side. Scrim, is, is there a traditional... Okay, is there a dwarven... Is there like a wrist... Dwar, what's, yeah, the dwarven no. what's the dwarven handshake? Do we remember... They were the ones who... They pioneered the pound. I think they... <laughs> they pioneered I think they, they invented the pound, <laughs> I think. Original? Okay, I'll yeah, they got tools the in their hands. They're busy holding the that's, pitch. That's true. Pick you know, in the hand, boom. They don't have time oh. to put that down. Just give them a little pound. Just, time. Do some low bones. Um, so, uh... Uh, Scrim, uh, Scrim gives the traditional dwarven fist pound uh, yes. with, a, with a smile. Um, uh, yep. hearing and, it, uh, uh, just kind of sits by his side. I, I like that they're, they're like at the railing, overlooking the landscape as they're going, and he just sits there for a while with them, hurtling through the air. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Eric, and then Drusen goes to get ice cream. Eric, your mini is forward. Traditional dwarven ice cream. Yeah, um, after the hands of air depart. Oh, then you should take it off now, because, yeah. Perfect. Because that's not till tomorrow. Okay. Kaylin. Flying again tomorrow? Hey. <laughs> and I can um, still hear you again. uh finds Baron. <laughs> In a, in a moment of, you know, relative solitude, like we said, it's not real. But I'm thinking maybe up top or something like that. Get it's a good that place fresh, for conversations. That, on the balcony. that fresh air. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. On the balcony. balcony up top. And uh, she comes up next to him and she says, Baron, do you, do you have a moment? I have several. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. And she looks at him and she goes, Baron, I am. I have a question for you. And I want to know. I want to know if there is. Is there more than this that makes it challenging for you to think about working with Amberhelm? More than what he has done? Or is it purely that? Ah, uh, I 
I've had to muddy my hands in the work we've been doing here. Uh, but, you know, the kingdoms of humans are strange and their ways are strange. And so, you know, if that's the way things had to be done, I suppose that had to be the way things are going to be done. But the laws of dwarves are quite clear. I mean, he broke the law. He should be punished. And if we're going... I don't want the kingdoms of dwarves to look anything like the kingdoms of humans. If, hmm. From what I've seen of the kingdoms of humans. I wonder... I do not know more than as you do. But I wonder... What wouldn't the god of the dwarves do to be willing, willing to do to prevent his children from sharing the Dwergard's fate? I do not know. I mean, I wonder. I suppose I can ask Moradin. I can say, hey, should we work with Amberhelm? If he says yes, I'll work with Amberhelm. Would it soothe your conscience, though? My conscience is as my god demands. She can wisdom, can. I don't question it. Hmm. Hmm. All right. And He's if it came to so it, far. and if the moment come and we need this man's help and you decide that it is not to be, that it is wrong or you cannot bear it, you let me know. And I, I shall be the to be done. You will all know my mind. Good. And you know mine. And I'm happy to. She nods her head and she puts her hand on his shoulder and, you know, wanders off kind of without another word. And Baron looks out over the lake. <laughs> and uh, Oilvane have the same deal with Ted. And Bear Doc. I think the whole group had the same deal with Ted and Bear Doc. <laughs> it's not a long day of travel. It's a crowded boat. There's a lot of feelings going on. But despite everything, it's a day of relief. It's the day after the great fight. It's a day of not having assassins walking towards you. <sighs> boring. <laughs> I know. I it's know. a mixture of relief and boring. It's su- mm. It was such a good run. <laughs> and practically... Wake up in the morning. Practically, before you can even get used to just being in the air, you reach your destination. Un- unnotable... Unnotable? It's got to be a better word than that. I mean, Innocuous? It's like a long day in the car. It's like we just drove to Idaho. Unremarkable? Yeah, unremarkable. Thank you. That's the word I was going for. It's an unremarkable spot of land, just like all of Idaho. And I were even remarking on it. <laughs> um, and the Snowbane's gift sets down. Grumbar, uh, Grumbar brings it down excellently to where... Oil vein uh, told him that uh, looked like a clear spot with some uh, cover from the elements of a nice little tree line to the side. It's because Oil vein had the spyglass. In case anyone forgot, <laughs> uh, Oil vein does carry the spyglass a lot and look through it. Um, so and 
uh, you sit down. The hands of ale get to work setting up a camp. You know, because at the end of the day, uh, sun is uh, the sun is disappearing beneath the horizon, and uh, night is coming. All right. The hands of ale spend the evening talking to everyone mostly about unimportant things it feels like a nice break from uh it feels like a nice break from the the energy that everything has been including last night with the ritual you know there was this there was this relaxation there was this this release of of tension after the fight but uh but this is the first night where it's really there's nothing right behind you, and there's nothing tomorrow either. They're going to depart in the morning. And uh, where Baron made special effort when leaving the Hands of Ao last, way back at the, uh, mm. the Crypt of Eternal Summer. Summer. I think so. Uh, the Crypt of Eternal Summer. Uh, Baron made special uh, effort to make sure that you could use your sending magic to be yeah. able to communicate to them. After this night, anyone could send a message to anyone else for uh, drinks are shared and the chat is small. Get it? Small talk. <laughs> uh, I see. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Um, <clears throat> Mark will find Edith at some point during the night. Yeah, she um, she steps away for a bit, just uh, getting a little away from the light of the campfire, and she's just standing there, just uh, looking up at the stars. Mock approaches her with some familiarity and kind of claps her on the back, and then claps her again, and then like turns her a little bit and like punches like the front of her her kind of uh, her cuirass, and without even thinking of, it, he's like really kind of like testing her armor and like really like. Get and then he got to realize what he's doing. He says, uh, Paul got a little carried away. It, it's a fine armor. It's a fine armor. He says, thank you. I would love to hear the story sometime. Or now. But first. <laughs> but first. Wanted to ask how you do it for your small cadre here of hands of Ao. As it were, seem as motley a group, even more so than uh, the uh, facets of fate here that we have kicking about these past few weeks. How is it that you don't <coughs> strangle his name, Bogrush, every night in his sleep, or get impossibly drunk off of Gloam's ale on an hourly basis? These seem like pitfalls that you don't fall into on the regular. I, I, and I sense that somehow you're at the center of these things. It is... It is true that my companions at times see me as a bit of a leader of the group. I feel that it's a role that you feel yourself from observing the dynamics of your particular companions. I'm loud and opinionated. This is not uh, any secret to me or any of my friends. She says, 
I don't... I try not to think about it too much. Torm guides my hand. Ale guides my heart. It is what I am here to do. So it just works out. Fat fat chance. I keep bumping into that these days. He says, you have been talking about fate quite a bit recently. (laughs) Weighs heavy on the mind and it leaves a bitter taste on my tongue. Your airship has very thin floors. Uh, I do not begrudge you it. As I said, loud and opinionated. Says, I think you have the right of it, though. I see fate in everything that has happened to you and everything that stretches out before you. And I see the same with me and mine. There's no way I would be traveling with those that I do if it weren't for fate's heavy hand, as you say yourself. But then you don't fight against it. You don't seem to resist or kick kick against the pricks, as it were. Uh... She smiles and like stands uh, stands a little more squarely, uh, still a little more squarely towards him, and she says, "I find it to be an advantage of those in my line of work. Your cousin Bairn knows it well. When you give your heart fully to to one being, to one cause." It is easy to, uh, what was the phrase you said? It is easy to not fight against it. Mm. And then she reaches out, puts her uh, hand on his shoulder, and she says, you don't have to be devout to, uh, to, find, the same, to find the same peace. Well, that's a relief to me, because I wouldn't meet that criteria. But I appreciate the sentiment, and... Hold some admiration for your uh, your warriors that that fought with us these past days. They are I, I consider you allies and wanted to thank you for answering our call. I uh, our, our first night was that of braggadocio and pomp, but today have been more somber thoughts of the risks that we faced. And I am grateful for our victory and for your participation, for your assistance. Though, of course, we did the bulk of the work. We'd all agree. Of course, of course. Uh, It was your group that brought the acid. We will always remember that. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah, that's it. Uh, she says, sorry, I was trying to think of the the last thing you said. Uh, She says, it was a good victory. It was a good victory. I am glad that you you did call for us and that we came. I don't think either, uh, either one of us would have been able to do it without the other. But you must also remember that this was just one battle in a very long war that I'm sure we have before us. Hmm. Let us not rest on our laurels. It's, it's wise, and at this point, probably prudent to acknowledge a war. Uh, been some time since I've had one, and the memories of my past are bring me very little comfort. Uh, perhaps I 
ought to stay more in the present and look towards the future, as as you say. He says, our paths will cross again in that future. Well, well met, Edith. Health and safety. She just nods and looks back up to the stars. My comp seems a bit empty. Gloom, where is he at? Never around when I need him. When Mock wanders back to the camp, he sees Ted walking over towards Oil Vein. Uh, uh, son. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 what do you want now? God, seems I'll be, uh, <laughs> seems I'll be leaving in the morning. Uh, the plan, the plan is set. Uh, yeah, well, uh-huh. was it to me? Uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, it's it's that, uh, you know, I just, well, you know, um, they say we'll see each other again someday. I just, you know, I'd like, I, I'd like to know that, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to, to, to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, to reconcile between us. You know, last time uh, I trusted you, I I did some things and you did some things. And uh, what did I do? What did I do? uh, We've all done things. Everyone's done things. And and, uh, you know, it it was fucked up. I was all every it's all been it's all it's all been fucked up. But, you know, I just it was really fucked up. Yeah. So I just, you know, uh, you know, Reconcile. Yeah, everything's everything's fine now, right? Yeah. And he kind You've of puts out a hand. And he's, he puts out his hand and he says, you, "You, you, you, you heard him last night. I'm a pale soul. I can't help what I am. I just am that. It's just what I am. I was. I mean, I am this way. This is who. This is who I am. So everything's fine, right?" And he puts his hand out more towards <laughs> oil vein. <laughs> Don't touch me, old man. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> You're gonna take my pinky again. Nah, something else. We've all done things. We've all done things. We've all done things that we regret. Everybody has. It's it's just it's just part of the it's part of the human experience. Snoot's, Snoot's next to the oil vein. He's kind of growling a little bit. Yeah, he, he <laughs> takes a step back. <laughs> Easy. You've puppy. got a lot to prove, old man. Is a uh, Ah, fool me if I ever tried to trust you again. All right, so but we're we're cool now, and uh, you you don't trust me. I don't trust you. It's just that's like people, regular people, and no no, uh, you know no no more. Uh, you know, it's just life lesson lesson learned. We're good. Thank you, son. I appreciate that. And then he walks away. You are a stranger, old man. <laughs> You're dead to me. He just walks away mumbling to himself. (laughs) Oil Vane thinks to himself about this. This exchange. (laughs) For quite some time. Mock, as Maka approaches the... Comes back to the camp and sees Ted walking away. He hears Ted under his voice saying, Yeah, I'm figuring out this dad stuff. As uh, he (laughs) walks past Mock. (laughs) (laughs) Grits his teeth and redoubles his efforts to find Gloom. 
<laughs> but he, he he does I look mean, at he looks at oil vein. What is what does he see when he looks at oil vein right after this? Like paint me a picture of his uh, demeanor, if you wouldn't mind, Kevin. Uh, he's in serious thought right now because you know he that the you know the way his father treated him in their the previous time. You know it still stings, but. You know there are. He still has memories of uh, of his dad. You know from back in the day. So he is a little bit conflicted, but he's trying to. You know the idea of being resolute in terms of not getting fooled or tricked or betrayed again <sighs> is pretty heavy on his mind. So he's trying to be. He's trying to like. You know. He's trying to like not let himself get pulled in by by Ted again. But he can feel it. He can feel it. You know, this is the the guy that he had been kind of pining off after for for such a long time. And, you know, so there is part of him that is tempted to, like, want to forgive his dad, give him another chance. But he's he's reminding himself. He's definitely trying to remind himself and stay strong about it. So. Mark just claps him on the back and says, you're a young man. You, you, you have time for everything in your life. Come get a drink. Yeah. All right, I think I need one. Thanks, Mook. Yeah. So, Tristan, it's over with my little Yeah, you got the robot, Kevin. <laughs> From the future. Yeah, it's happening. It kind of sounds like what it sounds like when you have, like, lost your vocal cords and use a, like, vibrating machine, because, like, were you stationed in Da Nang? It does. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is better when you hold your hand it's there. Much it, better. I was it, it, say it does. Like, it is you. easier to listen to you, but it is still horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's try that. Uh, I'll have um, Gloam. Uh, wait, unless the Kevin's founder of the feet was directly about the oil vein thing. I don't want to break that. Yeah, well, well, give him. Give him I don't one. want to break that momentum if he was. I, maybe just a, a quick word on the scenery as we go by. I love to get like the setting. Uh, we have this kind of day journey. Is it peaceful? Is it like alpine? Is it like I would love to hear more about the scenery around the uh, around us as we as we travel. Yeah, um, it's it's very similar to uh, where you were camped days ago when you were waiting mm. for the hands of Ao. You're in the same area. Um, Deciduous forest. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's sparse trees. Although there are there are little clusters of of uh, you know of of tree lines. Uh, you're camped out sort of next to one, more in the open than in the grove that you were in before. Um, and there was there was a, a few murmurs throughout the uh, airship when picking a location that some some like open air, some like land stretching up before you was, uh, was a, a generally desired thing. And, and <laughs> no one, you know, there, there was some, Focus you know, no but what about cover from uh, sight from afar, but overall the, like, we just got to see some rolling Hills for, uh, for <laughs> tonight, uh, one out. And yeah. So, and, and what you're seeing is these, uh, these, these plains, these sort of grasslands that, uh, that head off in every direction. Uh, and yeah, like a step. And what it is is, as before, it's the the snow has uh, has almost entirely melted. There's little bits of of patchy sort of slush still around, but it is that distinctive sight of winter turning to spring. For it has uh, spring has has arrived. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. You back? Uh, Ooh, same problem. Maybe phone. My phone. Just act it out, Kevin. 
pantomime. It's super weird. I'm I'm used to troubleshooting a lot of audio problems, but that one is throwing me for a loop. You want to just hit the hit the video? Yeah, that might help. Give me the mic. I think it's a biological thing. He's molting. The input. <laughs> break it, break it. Kevin, were you going to do something directly related to oil vein? Because otherwise, I can do another story while we wait for your thing to fix itself. It is related to oil vein. It's not bad. Ah, okay. And it it's is still bad. It's still bad. Why is he talking deep speech? Is that deep speech? Oh, he's talking to oil vein. Only oil vein can understand. He's telling me to kill again. Okay. All right. I think he said it is related to oil vein, but it wasn't super important. And we'll we'll come back to that. And so Gloam. Walks over to uh, Baron and Mock, who are together, and he gestures for Drewston to come over, and he says, uh, "It's been uh, do one of your voices so I can play off of it." And drink I'm... till the wind blows cold. Do yours, ba- uh... Baron Boulder, cleric of Moradin. Just <laughs> <laughs> take it. Oh. It's like a character selection it's been, screen. Uh, it's been <laughs> It's been really good hanging out with with you all these last few days. I've got to say I don't I don't get to You know, I don't get to spend a lot of time with my kind, with that with that side of my of my heritage. And uh I felt a real connection to you all these last few days. It was glorious watching you in battle, and it's been wonderful reveling with you in the drink since. It was... It was good. It was... I would say it's the best battle of my life. And you all at my side. That was the reason. Thank you for giving me this chance, for giving me this connection to our shared culture. And he's standing there a little bit awkward as he says this. Like, his arms are kind of, like, straight down. Like, he's like... Oh, I think we lost him. Did we lose Eric? I thought you were going to respond. No, I I just keep cutting the stream when when things get a little bit bad on the audio quality. Gotcha. So he says that. You hear me okay? Yeah, we can, yeah, I can hear you okay. Okay. Um, he was saying, he says, uh, uh, drink with us, brother, and and be at, be at ease. I'll leave your troubles at the door and sing songs and think of the, the legacy of our forefathers that brought us to this day. And think of our victory as one more block in the great citadel built to dwarfendom. Uh, in the the, the mighty hearth for, for, by which our kin crafts the greatest the greatest of works on the uh, on the entirety of our, of Toro, and, and and the greatest of lore and the greatest of ah. more beer more beer gloom and gloom uh, with his uh, with his mug in one hand he says he says hi and uh, and <laughs> upends it into his into his gullet. Uh, drinking that down. And he says, uh, 
And he still looks kind of like awkward. He's he's very he's very stiff even as he does this, and he looks to Baron, he looks to Mock, and he looks to Mock. Mock claps Baron on 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 his back, and he says, "Baron, do you have a blessing of Morden for our kin here, who faces a long journey away from his brethren?" Hmm, a blessing. Uh, he's never good at giving those out impromptu. Ah, uh, let's see. Hmm. He stands up and kind of looks a bit awkward and official, sort of called upon to do some sort of clerically duties, and says... Can't say no. Ah. Gloom! What's your clan name? Uh... (laughs) Give give me one moment. Uh, I'm not in touch. I have to check my notes. So he he doesn't... um, He doesn't have uh, a clan name. Well, he'll say it. He'll say, uh, the, uh... Sorry, I'm... Oh, these aren't my notes from the original ones. Uh, I'm sorry. It's green, uh, isn't it? He's, a, he's a he's a particular type of uh, dwarven clan. It's like forest. It's the jungle right? dwarves. And he says, mm-hmm. my, uh... My, my people of the jungle, we don't carry clan names with us. Mm. He says, I'm a paladin of thard har and that is the only clan i wear on my uh on myself and he pats his uh his symbol to thard har he says Mm. just gloom good gloom righteous paladin of thard har uh though you serve another deity your creator morden smiles upon your efforts in this past battle truly you have lived up to the uh, potential that was in you when he crafted you from the earth and breathed breath into you. Uh, may your days be long and prosperous. Skull! Yeah! Woo! Gloam has tears welling up in his eyes as he says, Thank you, brother. That means a lot to me. And then uh, he looks to Mock, and he stares at him for three, four seconds, as if he's working up the courage. Mock is very drunk, so it seems normal to Mock. He just he just sits there, kind of like with him, for all of those many seconds. Gloom reaches out, puts his hand on Mock's shoulder, and then he leans in, and then in his other hand he raises it up. And in it is the endless flask of dwarven ale. And he says, I I want you to have this. It's too much. It's too much. He says, well, it's literally, it's too much. I'll drink it all. I'll be dead in a week, Gloom. Save both of our lives. <laughs> he says, the journey before us, the journey before you. We could hear you. In the airship, it's very thin floors. Floors. Uh, very thin. Grumbar, uh, and he away. pounds on it. He pounds on the wall. He's like, Grumbar, what do I keep telling you? There's no quiet place for a dwarf to work. <laughs> uh, he says, "I know that your, I know that my quest is great. Perhaps the greatest of all." He says, "But you fight." For our kind, for the salvation, not for the salvation, to the save. What'd you say? 
the preservation. preservation. The preservation, thank you. For the preservation of everything that you and we are. You're going to need this more than me. And he's still holding it up. He's, now, and then he lowers Mach. it down to where Mock's hand is and puts it into his fingertips. Now Mock has tears as well. <laughs> now Mock is, is weeping alongside Love. He says, it's the most beautiful gift a dwarf could give. He's the, and he, he grabs him and like, brings him too close, like drug him close. And he's like, he says, I will share this ale with every clan leader and dwarven master at arms and merchant and craftsman that I come across on the whole entirety of the Sword Coast. And once I've toasted them all, I'll bring it back to you and you'll be able to toast all of the dwarven kind by raising this glass. He, he closes his lips tight with a nod and then he takes a step back and just walks away quickly. <laughs> Nods. Stoically. Good. Shuffles off. And there, I would say there is definitely in, in a, an environment like this. So part of what Mach has been, been, been trying to understand more is He said is. Are you guys with me? Oh, oh, we lost you for I a hear bit. You. I could tell because you had an icon in tabletop seemed like yep. it said you were frozen. All right. I you stopped. said something yeah, I, is. I go, talking. Yeah, go back. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you guys with me now? Yeah, we're with yeah. you. Yep. Okay. So, uh, when, when the dwarves, dwarves drink, it's a very shared experience. Mm -hmm. Maka has been thinking long and hard these recent weeks about the soul, the soul forge. Uh, the soul forger Moradin, the hammer of all souls, the souls of the dwarf, his own soul. And he feels kind of like in, in, in these moments of kind of shared story and shared victory, shared song and shared blessing and hopes, just feels this, this kind of upwelling and, and kind of, you know, they, they say that the tide ri raises all boats and he feels kind of like a mutual lifting of the group. And as he feels it so strong in this moment himself, he he looks around. He kind of like is drunken haze, looks around to the others that are there, and he's looking for signs that others are feeling it too. But there is a real connection, like more than just enjoying a good song at a tavern, but like a real emotional kind of like bond that is that is physical, that's tangible, that is almost supernatural. And looks to see if he sees evidence of this in the other members of the group, you know, especially his own, possibly the hands of Eo, but especially the fastest of fate. And he looks to see if there's evidence, even in his drunkenness. What, what does he see? Does he see anything? You're asking me or the others? Both. I'm putting you all. Can I get a, in the hot seat? What's more with that? Sorry, I was... Thinking about so, something else I was doing. So yeah, so Ma there is a physical documented in the player's handbook, characteristic <laughs> of dwarves. And when they drink, they sing together. It is a very mutual, supernatural shared experience. It's yes. Not just having fun. It is there is a connected, soulful experience. This is something that Mach has keyed into in recent weeks. And he sees the presence of soul energy around him in the hammer, in the presence of Morden and the fates. 
and as and he feels a he feels this strongly come up after his after his recent experience with a a blessing on Gloam and Gloam kind of realizing some of his own kinship and this shared this powerful gift and he feels as well up and he and like in this moment he looks around to the larger group of the facets of fate to see if there is any evidence of a shared experience like this outside of the bond of outside of the the, the racial lines of dwarvendom and he looks to see for evidence of that um at, at a larger at larger scale drustin um, sharing an ale with taita kasiqua and feeling very good. Mock. He does. In as you said, in his uh current drunkenness. Perhaps yes. he doesn't know if he can trust Perhaps himself. especially oh, because of his drunkenness. Or perhaps mm. he's only glimpsing a sliver of what he otherwise would. It's hard to tell. It's hard. But when you're drunk, you assume that everything is credited because you are drunk um, and Mock does see this at first it looks like a trick of the light from the the starlight the moonlight uh, the way the uh, the way this um, the way the campfire is sort of glinting off of this uh, this snow this mostly melted snow and but then he realizes that what he's seeing is is more than just what's naturally there. He is seeing a a connected a connected bond between those that you just named, the the group, those that he has spent time and drink and singing and uh, and reveling with tonight and many other nights. And as he looks, he sees that connection to Gloam. As well, there is a, you know, an aura uh, about him that is inclusive. If there's anything with the other facets of fate, perhaps it's there. It's hard to say. Mostly probably be lost to Mock's foggy memory in the morning. But, uh, but, but, but of Gloam and of the fate, of the facets of fate, undoubtedly. So you say the hands of Ao, he doesn't maybe necessarily remember, but the fastest fate, yes. There's a, there's a there's a bit, but um, you know, but hard to say. And but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, but definitely among the facets of fate and Gloam, uh, and you're seeing uh, you're seeing even Taita herself. Um, mm. You're seeing something there going into her metal, half metal, Pair half uh, yeah, body, and. Yeah, without a doubt. If anyone wants to add their own uh, little flavor here, but he does see this. What do you see? Scrim is not uh, reveling hard. I mean, he looks like he's uh, emotionally drained. Maybe he dramatically looks off into the distance frequently. You know what it is? He's not a sad drunk. He's just, uh, he's drinking, but he's, uh, he just keeps sighing heavily. And looking deep in thought. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Baron is uh, drinking, certainly, and um, definitely get that shared kind of effect of uh, you know everyone kind of being overly affected by each other's sort of mental state. You know, the joy of one bringing the joy of others, and the misery of one bringing the misery of others. 
and uh, certainly there is the joy of our recent victory in battle, uh, which is still fresh uh, and epic. But for Baron, always when you're drinking with Baron, there is the tinge, at the very least, of grief and misery, because that is just always an undercurrent with Baron of his uh, his lost wife and his thoughts occasionally always turning to that. And so regardless of the situation and the revelry, that will always be a small undercurrent there. That's just sort of the flavor of it you get when you're drinking with Baron. <laughs> Drewston sharing ale with Taita and they're looking over the notes and little things that they found in the tower. And uh, he's <coughs> also sneezing. Bless you. Got to tight. Excuse me. Uh, I think you meant to say Moradin's blessing. Moradin's no. blessing on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and just, yeah, he's definitely in that spirit. Drusen's feeling very uh, lifted up right now because he's figured out what the curse was, uh, gotten to Deepa Mascar and back. Uh, he's he's helping his friends, and like just he's he's in a good place. Oh, sorry, I meant to say. <laughs> good. Yeah, your microphone sounds better now. Yes, I, I restarted. Cool. I'm gonna jump to a different topic. All right, Taita. After the evening stretches on an hour, hour further, she uh, suddenly stands up from what she was doing and says uh, loudly, not yelling, but just so that everyone can hear, I, I have a few notes from the battle. And she uh, sits down and opens up a book and unfolds uh, uh, a piece of paper laying it out on the ground. And you can see this sketched on this paper is basically this map uh, <laughs> from awesome. the battle. And you can see, uh, uh, and she, she takes out of a, uh, a little pouch a bunch of small tokens, just different colored, uh, like different colored rocks as she places them uh, on there. And she says, it was an excellent move to put your boulette uh, in a position to guard one of the staircases. It effectively locked down one of your opponents for the entirety of the battle. That was excellent work, Mock. Uh, my feedback there is that while you had locked her down, you had not set up a plan to avoid her escape. I feel with a bit more forward thinking in that regard, we could have prevented her from uh, escaping into to whatever foul portal she likely had. And Scrimcorn, uh, your ballista shot to, uh, to finish off one of the, uh, one of the enemies was uh, an absolutely delightful sight to scry. Uh, but I Nons. have to say, it did take you a bit of time to come to terms with the fact that using the magic of your former... Uh, your your former 
Patrons. Patrons. Uh, it took you a little longer to adjust to that than was tactically wise. Uh, sometimes it is very important to know when something is not going the way that you are hoping and change tactics. And when you do so, you must throw your whole being into the new tactics and not hold on to the past. Grim says, technically they're matrons, not patrons. <laughs> Ooh, um, this tight uh, burn corner my now. mistake um, you all seem the same to me Dristin, <laughs> uh it was uh, uh, your uh, use of your magic continues to impress me many very excellently slung uh, uh, spells and you could help there and you counterspelled so many of their powerful attacks most impressive and she just goes on like this. She's got notes. Yeah. <laughs> she explains all of the good things that happen, and, and she just has little bits of uh, advice throughout, and she just goes and moves the little tokens around and showing where it goes. She says, uh, Bearjaw, your suplex into that uh, acid pit was probably the highlight of the battle for me, personally. I do think that you might have been able to hold that first, uh, uh, hold that beast down in the acid longer with the assistance of another, perhaps Perhaps uh, with a little bit more coordination, that could have gone better. But, hey, you can't argue with the results of what happened. So, you know, take these as uh, simply tactical uh, feedback to uh, improve your forms. But uh, overall, bravo. Excellent fight. Well, all right, then. And then she folds up her map again. (laughs) Thanks, Taita. How big are the squares on this? Like six feet? By six feet, is that? If you I can didn't leave realize those, you were watching. You can leave those notes by the uh, by the envelope. We'll be more than happy to take a second look. Uh, she she had only like halfway folded it up, and she says, "Of course, of course." And uh, she lay, lay, or, or at the anvil. So she continues folding it up. She says, yeah. "I will lay it out for you." Mm. Good bathroom reading for sure. <laughs> Weren't you on the gift during the fight? Yes, <laughs> she was crying on us. I left behind a little trinket that allows me to uh, to catch a fairly detailed uh, a detailed account of what is going on. I leave it in a spider's web. I call it a web cam. You can do such powerful magic through an item. I feel that I have perhaps just barely stretched myself to be able to perform such feats on my own. It doesn't work at a very long range, but it is a little piece of deep amaskar that I brought with me. The ingenuity of the civilized races is indeed unnerving. (laughs) Privacy concerns will be in our future. Does your strength continue to return to you then? I I believe that it is. Yes, I am beginning to understand how to uh, how to handle the greatly reduced energy moving through my new body when I am not connected to uh, when I am not using the experimentation center as a conduit for a much greater source of power. But with mm. practice, as I learn to shunt the energy around to different areas of this body, I can cause some individual functions to operate at a much higher efficiency than I had uh, weeks prior. Weeks? Yeah, the week prior. Hmm. 
how what does your power come from your own life energy your study of the arcane how, how do you move about and function i mean i suppose you eat but that you don't eat very much um energy does come from uh it does come some of the energy does come from nutrients uh food and drink uh, much as your own but at a greatly enhanced uh efficiency um it is mostly a combination of assembled arcane energies crafted into this mm. body if you may recall at the experimentation center there were many many prototypes of this uh, of this form uh, that we had been working on for uh, working on for centuries, even this body. As she looks down at it, she says, "I wouldn't consider it anywhere near the uh, complete vision that I have laid out for that program, but it's serviceable." Like Mogulum, rather successful in uh, infusing an anvil with some of the magical properties of a flaming sword we had discovered. Perhaps he could. Uh, do something similar to your uh, legs or arms or something. Infuse some magic from something we find. Make you better. I don't know. Just she talking. Looks, she looks to Baron and says, "It is on my agenda to engage with uh, engage with Mock to uh, explore that those very possibilities. I believe that uh, great works are in his future in the world of." arcane uh of arcane construction and he could definitely be a help to uh to me as we travel together and she looks over to mock mock says we have many golems in citadel adbar and the other dwarven holds where heavy works are done but their construction is something that is rather unforeign to me still so what you say about the mm, imbuing of infusing of energies that continues to drive their activity is is reminiscent of that uh yes work golems are uh, are crude compared to your body we see before you but it does smack of the same engineering well, dwarven golem technology is what gave me the idea in my many discussions with ah shit i forgot his name i care so much Arundel. about him Arundel, Arundel, in my many discussions <laughs> with so Arundel, so many uh, those hundreds of years ago is what planted the seed uh, in what became this program. Uh, so your noting of the similarity is, uh, is not a coincidence. I am considerably more complex, as you said. Uh, uh, my uh, parts of my body have been siphoned and crystallized in a crucible of technology and magic, the likes of which the world outside of Deep Amaskar can barely even fathom. I am... <laughs> that being said, I will be happy to... De- I have lost my train of thought. She goes on and on. <laughs> She's so <laughs> humble! It so humble! That was an amazingly <laughs> long sentence. A crucible of technology <laughs> and wonderment. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. What was I saying again? Uh, oh any God. other scenes from the evening? <gasps> Oil vein going for that drow lady. <clears throat> oh, come on, man. You gotta. Ooh. We're all patting uh, him back. Even in the morning. Keith Maybe she can give girl. you a peanut. Oh, man. He's a, yeah, he is a 19-year-old kid. It would be top of uh, the mind. Boiling uh, the hormones. 
Guys, guys, guys. It's 19. What he's saying is he already jerked off. <laughs> <laughs> he's already dry. Hey, hey, no, uh, he already jerked off, but he's also ready to rock. I could, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, oil vein. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. I'm about to demonstrate the other side of what oil vein's motivations are. Uh, that he's displayed. No, this is not a good thing. He's that he's displayed to the the group. And this is him kind of choking a bit, but he goes up to Valden, and he, he knows that she's leaving. But he's also, you know, he's got some abandonment issues, though, so he's going to try to cut it off at the at, at the head. And he says, uh, Valden, um, you know, yes. I, 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 I think, you know, you know, I, I know that I fancy you quite a bit, but, you know, I mean, considering, considering all the things that are happening... You know, and I know you got your own thing going on, and I got my own thing going on. You know, I think it might be best if we just be friends. Wow. She. <laughs> I she mean, friends is one <laughs> finger to his lips, silencing him, and she says, "Shh." And give me one moment. Um, Give the man some space. Everybody, back the hell off. This is important. <laughs> He's afraid of falling too deep. So, and she just what... holds it there, and she says, "All that matters right now is whose bed you want to wake up in." <laughs> and Roll roughly... the face down. I hope and... exactly that. <laughs> and then. <laughs> With her other hand, she pulls his, uh, would she grab yes. his shadow hand or would that be weird? Do people not do that? She Ooh, does. Uh, she tries. You know, she I grabs she it. she would do that. Yeah. She yeah. grabs it. That's, that's and then she reaches, she reaches into her pouch Agreed. and pulls out a small crystal and puts it in his hand. And she says, you don't know what you want today. You're still young. That's fine. She closes his uh, <laughs> closes his fingers over uh, over this strange crystal, and she says, "When you're ready, simply break that." <laughs> Gotta pee that now. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oil Vane is like he's completely still. He doesn't. And then she walks away. <laughs> Oil Vane is still. He's still in place, and he's clutching that crystal. But then behind him, Snoot, who was lying down on the ground, is like completely. Stands up straight, very like quickly, and is watching her like walk away. She winks and, and like clicks her tongue at Snoot as she uh, wow. as, then she turns around and walks away. <laughs> Delight. And then Snoot immediately bites oil vein on the leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting hot over here, too. <laughs> and then everyone wakes up the next morning. Unless someone has Oil Vane wakes up next to Bogrash. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey! Yeah. Wild night. Oh, that legendary action was amazing. <laughs> legendary action. <laughs> uh, when the first of you... The, when the first of you wake up, the Hands of Ale are all ready like breaking camp. They're like most of the way done. They clearly got up earlier than early. Um, 
And uh, like as what? you awake, Edith says, "Early departure today. We've got a long, uh, got a long travel ahead of us." Baron is rising and says, uh, "Safe travels. Hopefully, you don't have to have quite as rushed a pace as you had coming out this way." I think we'll give For Gloom a sake, break. At the very least. <laughs> yes. She says, "Yes, yes." We could uh, we could take an extra day or two, and then she looks to Gloam as he goes. Why, Hans? Thank you for here, Hans. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> thank you for your assistance uh, when your help was much needed. I, I, I'm glad to count you among my friends and the friends of my friends and I hope to see and all Ted. of you again and then except for Ted he sucks <laughs> Ted is already uh, Ted is already up on a horse um, oh they're they're uh, like spectral horses so they're summoned they're summoned divine horses from Gloam's jungle magic guys like so Okapi like I mean, isn't there like a spectral do. speed Thing. Okapi. There is. He's trying to make it look a little call out, Kevin. like third heart. What would you, you call it? Okapi. What's that? O-K-A-P-I. It's a bird. Striped antelope. Yeah, it looks like if you combined an antelope, a horse, and a zebra together. It's that thing. It's that weird sounding thing. They're so secretive and like they weren't discovered until like the 1980s. Yeah. I think I think I do know that. I think I can picture the thing you're talking Gloam about. Gloam is from the 1980s. It all makes sense now. Dude, he's and, got uh, amazing hair and a sweet like, leather jacket. As Oilvane says, except for Ted, fuck that guy. Uh, Ted just says, water under the bridge, son. Water under the bridge. Fuck. <laughs> and he makes his horse walk a little bit further away as if trying to just get more out of earshot. Good riddance. And before long, the hands of Ao are gone. <laughs> Riding atop their strange creatures that Kevin just described. Uh, they head off at a leisurely pace at first, and then pick up into an impossible gallop as they uh, disappear over a hill. Delightful. I miss them. Ah, uh, they were good allies. Perhaps we'll come across their path again. And then Baron returns to his morning. Back to the grooming of the beard. Thing. The grooming <laughs> is spell stuff, and I do have a little thing that's going Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see him morning. again. I thought you meant the other kind of morning. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh. Baron's, Baron's <laughs> oh, no. daily morning. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> cries every morning. Dan, did you say you had a little something? I do. Ah, go for it. Sorry. Uh, in preparing his daily prayers and uh, requests to Moradin, he, as he had mentioned before, he feels that he can stretch himself a little further. And so, new spell. Ooh. And uh, this one proves to be... This one's going to be happening a lot. So this is cool. Commune. Yeah. This is the fifth level spell that can be cast as a ritual. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Ooh. Uh, which means that's a freebie, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. So here's how it works out. Do you have to prepare uh, a, 
you have to prepare it. It has to be prepared. So but it's on my can, prepared spell list. It doesn't list. use up a slot if you Correct. pass as a ritual. Gotcha. Correct. Um, so let me just read through this here. Okay. So you contact your deity or divine proxy and ask up to three questions that can be answered with a yes or no. You must ask your questions before the spell ends. You receive a correct answer for each question. Divine beings aren't necessarily omniscient, so you might receive unclear as an answer if a question pertains to information that lies beyond the deity's knowledge. In a case where a one-word answer could be misleading or contrary to the deity's interests, the GM might offer a short phrase as an answer instead. If you cast the spell two or more times before finishing your next long rest, there's a cumulative 25% chance for each casting after the first that you get no answer. The GM makes this roll in secret. And usual casting time is a minute, so it'll cost 11 minutes, I believe, by the ritual casting things. Full somatic material, and the material components are nothing that has a cost, so just use the shield. So, here's the three questions that Baron asked this morning. <laughs> We're going to need to know what this ritual looks like. Uh, yes, Preferably, um, that should take 28 minutes, so I don't have to come up with the answers this week. <laughs> is there yeah. a material cost for that? Uh, material cost is incense and a vial of holy or unholy water. But not it, my there's, there's no cost associated with that. It doesn't yeah. like say anything. So does it need uh, Ted also? <laughs> don't think so. Um, so uh, it's a lot like other rituals that Baron has done. It's uh, you know he sits there in sort of a dwarven prayer chant for a long while. Uh, kind of saying the same thing over and over again because not a chance it lasts a whole 10 minutes, 11 minutes. Um, so question one. Moradin, is it your will that my wife be restored to me before the curse of Ladiguar is resolved? It's good. No. Uh, <gasps> no, no, oh. no. He not hears, surprising. Let me, that I one. guess I should give it some. Let me give it some flavor here. So he says this. Yeah. And he receives the answer because he's communing. Mm-hmm. He hears a thunderous boom of distant anvils. Hammers. Hammers crashing into metal. And it is that sound that makes the voice. He hears the words in the crashing of hammers on steel in a no. Damn. This disheartens Baron. Uh, but at the same time is not a completely unexpected answer given the previous visions that he had seen. Um... And then he moves on to his next question. <laughs> is Adric Amberhelm responsible for the deaths of the dwarves of Kundrakar? Oh, good question. Hard hitting hammering. We had a lot of suspicions, but nothing confirmed. Not quite this Do you do you follow it up with that clarification? No, no, no. Just that's I'm that's for the group's benefit. Okay. For all y'all uh, listening. The exact wording of your question, say it again. Is Adric Amberhelm responsible for the deaths of the dwarves of Kundrakar? Uh, hammering. No, I'm not frozen. I'm thinking. That's how I know. I'm just frozen. Oh, you were uh, very still. 
I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, the hammering of anvils again. A voice of stone. A voice of iron. The sound of battle coming through. Dwarves distant, screaming, shouting, as if in a great war, clashing of steel. And he hears, yes. <laughs> Many are. There was a clarification? So That's the answer was yes, comma, many are. That is what he heard. Hmm. Hmm. Now that makes sense because it's... He didn't swing every hammer or axe. Right. Hmm. Okay. Because you could argue that the answer would be no because he, he, you know, the orcs were responsible. Right. So he I think that he's a, a responsible party for sure. That would have been the short phrase that, you know, so it's not misleading. Yeah. Ask him Last question. Greg's pin number at his bank is. <laughs> has to answer. This is does, does the pin start with one? No? Okay. Tomorrow all. Tomorrow, tomorrow I pray again. <laughs> is it your will that I seek the aid of Andrek Amberhelm in removing the curse of Ladiguer? Oh. Uh, oh. He said he would ask. God, it's good. So bangs a pen near I guess it's huge. Goes, yeah. I know it's very <laughs> I know as soon as I saw the spell, this is going to be a lot of problem for a challenge to a DM. I love it. Tristan wobbles and make a thunder noise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... Yeah. Uh... I have to check something. Give me a second. <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> you. Well, you said that again. <laughs> More than you went out there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> can you say that again? <laughs> oh, I got to restart. <laughs> <laughs> What do you call uh, my children must not fall to the exile and Baron thank you Morodin for your uh, divine grace the clanging of hammers the last the last clang of hammers on on anvils rings out as if all around you and then disappears sorry my internet my internet lagged was it something and then my children must must not fall i actually didn't hear fully what greg said the warmth of the forge stays in your heart after the sounds are gone I said, uh, my children must not fall to the exile. Just, just that, not a yes or a no. That was it. Correct. 
Okay, thank you. Sorry. The I, exile, of I, course, being Justin Green, the exiled dwarf, Morden doesn't want us hanging out with Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that boy is no good. Stay away from him. Uh, it, is, it is well known to... Uh, it will be well known to Baron and, and probably all the dwarves that the exile is, is one of the titles of, of Latiguerre. Latiguerre. Oh. Mm. Important to know. Also, Laddie the Batty. Uh, Baron is has much to ponder upon. Dang. Wow. I wasn't he, expecting that, Sam. But now sorry, I will expect it every week. <laughs> every <laughs> long rest. Pretty much guaranteed that's going to happen. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> nice. It's really good. I like that we have this kind of... Because we get these visions and then we talk to a different source who has his own opinions and agendas even if he's a deity mm-hmm. so I dig Gordon is it better to buy unsalted butter and salt it yourself <laughs> is it your will that I salt <laughs> my <laughs> own butter Eric did you have something to do after the hands of Ale departed I do that being said yeah and that you can do in 20 minutes break out the good stuff I do and we can see how much we want to do. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Go for it. You've got this moment, this moment of it, it to set the scene, you know, it's the morning. Uh, it's, it's very wet. You know, you've still got the, you still got the, the, the cold of, of a, a very recent winter. Uh, they, there's lots of, you know, as people are sort of packing up their bed rolls and stuff, there's a lot of kicking out moisture uh, out of these things. So it's a, it's a crisp, but uh, but sort of pleasantly pleasantly chill morning. And there's a, there's an energy to that, right? Kind of a uh, uh, an awakening and, and kind of a an alertness that comes with that kind of environment, right? It's not a it's not a, a climate for for lounging or or any sort of lollygagging. But uh, as we know, Mock is a is a fairly early riser, despite being heavy in his cups. Am I still here? Yep. Well, yes. Eternally yeah, full cups. Yes. Can you hear you? Can okay. you hear us? Yeah. I'm just. I lost the picture. So, and uh, he, even though he, of course, the hands of Ao, packed up and prepared earlier, he's still on the early end of the risers of the facets of fate, and you see him not just uh, breaking camp, but also making several trips back and forth to the the gift, and uh, as as. Camp is broken. He comes out to the group and he says, uh, "All right, let's everyone to the forge. It's been some days before uh, since we've had ourselves a mending hour, and I'm calling it mending hour now. And it's been a tradition since we got the gift, actually, and departed from Skyclave. We occasionally have mending hours, which is simply a time for the whole, all the facets of eight to come together around the anvil and." Prepare their gear, um, kind of fix things that are broken, uh, have mock help uh, kind of craft repairs or, 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 or perform repairs on the physical items that create that are that are important for the group. This is a time when Scrim may spend some time planting or, or, or cultivating some of his you know, various mushrooms or, or, or agricultural pursuits. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're Justin may organize some notes and rewrite kind of 
from the many scattered notes into a tome that he would bring kind of for, for the day or into battle. And uh, Mending Hour has become an important tradition while on the gift, and it's happened several times, uh, definitely after the encounter with the centaurs, you know, right before entering Skyclave, and, and maybe briefly, uh, you know, even before we disembarked here on the Black Spire. Mock calls a, a, a mending hour here now for us to repair some of the from some of the fairly heinous damage wrought by the septicemia upon the group. And he invites all the party to come gather around the forge, which you see now has been rearranged into more the center of the room, as kind of crafting tools and you know various you know, reagents and materials are laid out for for the group's typical use as they as they maintain their equipment. He extends that invitation. He calls the group to come to Mending Hour. Bearjack comes. Oh, yeah. Mending Hour. And once, once the group is situated... I've forward to this. Titus says as she sits down. Sorry, did you say something, Greg? Oh, I did. It's fine, just go forward. Shit, can you Nothing hear me? Nothing critical. Uh, yes, yep. we can hear you. We can hear you fine. Yeah, can you mm. hear... Okay. Greg... Can you not hear me? A little bit. It's a little choppy on my side, but if you can hear me, then I'll keep it going. Yeah, you're crystal clear. Perfect. <clears throat> and so as the hammer starts ringing and Mock starts banging out some of the nastier dents in uh, in Durgeddon's armor and in uh, the the powerful shield of the cleric Baron Baldric, uh, he, he speaks to the group, which may be standing or seated kind of around in a circle, and he says... I want to talk to you, you, you allies, your friends, about the, the the risks, the perils of our of our of our path. Ah, many many sayings exist to say it. Uh, careful that you play with fire, or you get burned. Yeah, those who hunt monsters become them. Ah, many different ways to to speak to this idea, but. The reality is, our own, our own, our own ethics, our own morality is at stake as we, as we do these violent deeds, and try to turn the, the, the course of the world. I learned a lesson a long time ago when I tried to control and to do when my ambition, when my when I my ambition outgrew my ability, and I spoken with some of you, and you may know well that it led me to a dark path. I made some of the gravest mistakes of my life, and I don't mean to bore y'all. You hear the hammer ringing. Maybe asked Aaron or Drustin to help him pump the forge. He will throw kind of. You know, a, uh, kind of a, an iron bar in there to, you know, soften something for... He's, I don't mean to bar, bore you with past details that you've heard before. But there is all that's happened recently that bears repeat, that bears discuss. And he looks straight at his cousin, Drusten. He looks straight at his friend, Oilvane, and he says, There were heinous murders committed down there in Deep Mascar. And don't think that I've forgotten it. And he says, and I've committed uh, heinous murders myself. And he looks at Aurora seated about it. He says, 
and we were prepared to do such not a day or two ago. Of like nodding to her, referencing their ritual, their ritual of ultimate self-sacrifice, referencing the costs that they were willing to pay for victory upon that battlefield. She grabs her wrist around where the uh, the hand wrap was, just sort of absentmindedly rubbing it. Says I, either the costs that we pay and get what we want. We have paid some of these costs. We have committed some heinous murders. And we have let it pass without without talk, without note. And I would bring this before us during our mending hour. Ah, to, to, to hear your mindset on those events past. And, uh, and, and know if it is our plan going forward. And this be part of our tactics. When the hammer rains, we fall silent. Justin takes a step forward. He says, Colson, you speak truly. The the death of those who were nay combatants against us has weighed heavily upon me as well. Our neighbors across the street whom I pointed at and chose to die so that we could take their faces I've justified it to myself in many ways. It was a, a corrupt city we were in. We were using the only tools we could. If they'd been more open and free, we'd not have to do such things. It was for the greater good. But the truth is, my soul is stained from that day. And all I can do moving forward is... Try to do as much good as I can to to balance the scale again. But nay, nay, I would nay wish for that to be a strategy we use in the future. So let's let that lie still deep beneath the earth and let us leave it there. Let take a step back. Looks the oil vein. I've I've had a lot of time to think about that. And a lot of times I, I didn't want to think about that. And all I know is I don't like what happened there. You know, I, I went to a place that I hadn't been to in maybe in a long time. Not since some of my darker days in Schoolport. We had to do things there to survive and you know, and it made sense back then, but what some of the things I feel like I was calling up some old, some old feelings, I don't really know exactly how that came about, where that came from, but I know I, I, know I don't want to go back there again. They caught me by surprise, and uh. I don't know. I, I just don't know. And he, Oil Vane, like, just hangs his head because, you know, he's, like, thought about it, but he hasn't had the tools to, like, necessarily process it or maybe make any kind of significant change uh, in that regard. So, yeah, he's he still feels like he's it's beyond him. Like, uh, I mean, that on top of, you know, kind of what the voices that he hears in his head, he, uh, yeah, he's not exactly sure 
what to do about it. But, you know, but he does recognize that it wasn't something that he was, uh, you know, completely, uh, or it was something that he lost control of. So, yeah, so he just hangs his head and he uh, looks at the ground. He's not sure what to say after that. Locke's hammer still falls. He also kind of adds his confession and he says that my days of committing such heinous acts are a bit farther from me than you younglings. Perhaps not days, but decades. But I can honestly say I've made very little changes or atonement for that. As, as you all I've simply moved on. It is a weight to bear. But I can say my intention is not to continue those practices. And when I was down there with you, I found myself questioning my questioning the, the benefits of doing what needed to be done versus laying down the sword and giving in to or, or accepting defeat. And it is a question in my mind whether I am willing to see this through at all cost. I would be very... It, it may break me to incur a larger debt than I already have. And I would... It would pain me greatly to see your ledger grow longer. Uh, my cousin Bairn speaks of this justice. It's not about us. My cousin Bairn speaks of justice. Uh, I fear that forgiveness may play a role in this story as well. Uh, I've yet to find my own. And uh, it pains me to see others who may need as well. Nets leaves it at that and continues his work. Baron pipes up. If you'd asked me yesterday, I may have answered differently, but I've had a fair amount to think about this morning. And all I know for certain is that we cannot afford to fail. And uh, my preference. All you know for certain. What? Is that we cannot afford to fail. And my preference, of course, is, you know, live and let live. I seek no quarrel with others who have no quarrel with me. But if Moradin should put a bitter cup in front of me, and it is my job to drink it, I will drink it. If that's what's required to get the job done. Thank you, cousin. That the words that Baron speaks from a position of authority and experience um, hearten Mock. He feels he he feels somewhat relieved. Just thank you, Mark, thank you, cousin, and and thank you, priest of Moradin. For your words, I feel that I will need your guidance in these days, and my heart is still 
heavy for whatever part I played in leading these young ones to the to the point of desperation. Scrim says, <clears throat> you haven't you haven't put us in a place where we had no options. We were in a place with no options, but it wasn't you who put us there. As for myself, <clears throat> I am now matronless. <clears throat> he says, and <clears throat> I've been used for quite a while now, not just for other tasks that served these creatures, but specifically motioning to Snowbane. Airjaw. <laughs> motioning to Bearjaw. Bearbane, Snowjaw. Uh, specifically with collecting the reward for them that they earned by making a deal with Ladderguer. It is people who make foolish bargains with powers beyond their control deserve for the deal to sour on them. But the fallout of this extends far beyond Amberhelm or his immediate kin. So I have to find a way to undo a bit of this as I feel that indirectly I have added to it. And in that effort, I would prefer not to spill innocent blood. But I'm with Baron. And if that's what needs to be done, I'm ready for that. And I can carry that as he, as he motions to the group. Um, <clears throat> and he, he just says, I can carry that. You will not carry it alone. That's literally all she says. It's good. Perfect. <laughs> Mending hour commences or continues. And with and that, gear is restored. we will continue next week to chat with Deja. Well, that turns, turns out we're the ones that need mending. <laughs> well, wow. Maybe the mending was the friends we mending. made. Wow. Wow. That's wow. Double so meaning in that. Mending <laughs> <laughs> hour. Uh, those, uh... Those Moradin knowledge drops were, were pretty great. It's oh, what about the wife? Ooh. Especially like Kundrakar is a really good thing that that Dude. was so long ago. And it was kind yeah. of, it is, uh, uh, what's it called? What's the Sherlock Holmes deductive reasoning? Like, mm -hmm. that's, that is what happened. And we can, we, that is knowledge that we have based on this stuff these witness stuff so it's it's nice to get after all this time have Baron say yeah but like it was him right like 
like la- last <laughs> week we, tied up so we many. If got that wrong, we're gonna feel really silly. <laughs> like, like last week tied up so many kind of plot like kind of elements, and this week was so many like emotional threads that were kind of out there that kind of like came That's back good. together. It's good. I'm happy. I really, I really sure. liked doing the Hands of Ao farewell stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I also know just from a player perspective, having a spell like that, you really want to use it, but also there's always the fear, and I know, Greg, you're always really open about, like, use it, use it, use it. There's just always the fear of, like, I'm going to use this cool spell I like, and then the DM being like, all right, I guess I'll just reveal to you what happened instead of having this cool plan I had. (laughs) So, Greg, I know you're really good about being like, yeah, use those divination spells, talk more, and you always give great answers. Well, to Sam, really proud of you for going ahead and using that. That's great. Yeah.